0: What's up, again, folk? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening, wherever you get your podcast. And a special shout out to you podcast listeners, because I am going to do the thing where I say, please, five stars, man. I'm lagging behind here at work, all right? I really want... I need the ratings. Help me help you. And so we can take this thing into something that blows up in 2022. Like, I didn't... I didn't try to rhyme that. That's just how it happened. Today... We got to preview the Big 10. We pre- previewed the Big 12 already and we're going to use the same format. My top 5 storylines, going to talk about some breakout players, going to talk about some teams that are going to overachieve, going to talk about some teams that are underachieving or might underachieve. Maybe I'm here to get, you know, told I told you so or be told that I was wrong. I mean, y'all like to do that and I like to do that and that's kind of the sport of this show. So I want to get started with that. Off the top, starting with the first storyline, the first question I have for the Big 10 conference. Who Will Ohio State and Ryan Day win their first national title together? So, will Ohio State and Ryan Day win their first national title together this year? I want to say yes, and that's predicated on a couple of things, right? One is Ryan Day is Ryan Day. Since he joined up at Ohio State as offensive coordinator and eventually head coach, all they've done is won everything except a national championship. Like, quite literally, making a national championship game to get ran by Bama. Happens to the best of us. That was also a ridiculously awesome Alabama team. But what gets lost is that Ohio State wasn't even playing football until October, November 2020. Right. And then you lose the head coach for a game of COVID. Right. And then you got to come back, win the Big Ten championship and you make your way in the college football playoff. You beat your nemesis in uh, Clemson and you get to the national title game against Alabama. This year, you got C.J. Stroud, Travion Henderson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba for the best trio in the sport. I sincerely believe that. Like, you saw, again, Trey Henderson is a cheat code. Like, he's all Madden, and you're on pro. Like, that's how that works. He's been that dude since high school. I could watch poetic about Trey Henderson and be here all day, but you understand, right? That is the bell cow back in the backfield. And yes, Ryan Day still wants to run the football. But when he doesn't run the football, that is a C.J. Stroud back there dropping dimes. Jackson Smith and Jigba is streaking all over the field, all up and down the field, across your face. Just ask the Utah Utes how that goes. A lot of folks kind of were looking at Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson kind of quizzical when they were asked straight up. Who is the best receiver of the three of you? uh, C.J. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. And those dudes said, nah, man, J.S.N., he that dude. And everybody's like, wait a second. You mean to do this number three on the depth chart? Help us understand. And they knew what we would see in the Rose Bowl. That man is him, okay? I'm here for that. And I get C.J. Stroud, who's much more comfortable as a starting quarterback and seated in that way. Talking about last year, for instance, I brought up the Minnesota game to him and to Ryan Day. One of the things that Day's been really good about bringing up is that dude hadn't played football in like two years. He hadn't been hit. Like The pace of the game was just different, and the way that he was able to grow into that role and be one of the better quarterbacks, one of the better players in college football and be a Heisman finalist only bodes well for the future. Now, on that front, it's about how good the defense is going to be because we know that Ohio State's offense is going to put up 50. It's about can you stop other people from putting up 50 on you, okay? Made the change. They went to go Jim Knowles from the other OSU, down in Stillwater. He is coordinating the defense now, bringing that 4-2-5 with him, along with Tanner McAllister who's going to play a little safety, kind of like a grad assistant on the field coming from Oklahoma State. He understands what the system calls for. I also think the edges, the ends, are going to be outstanding this year because Colin Oliver broke out all of last year double-digit sacks, and this year you got JTT and you got Jack Sawyer for the uninitiated. That is JT2MO allow on the ends, and that's before we start talking about guys like Zach Harrison to Roger Mitchell behind them and the way that that defense could be humming right along. They want to be a top-five defense in the country. They're a top-five defense in the conference. They're playing a national championship game. It's just that simple. However, is Notre Dame going to be this year's Oregon? Yeah, I said it. All right, so I'm that dude. Like, like, like Let's get this out the way. Buckeye fans, come at me. I understand, but I'm going to bring it up. You got beat by Oregon at home. You got beat by Oregon at home, and then a child put a rubber duck on your O-block to stunt on you. One of my favorite features of all last year, shout out to Charlotte Wilder for getting that and throwing it down. But I did not give you much credit after that because you got beat by Oregon at home, okay? Then Oregon gets exposed by Stanford and gets doubled up in 13 days by Utah. It's just not a good look. For you, and if we're talking about quality wins, quality losses, we can have these different ways. This is, we're gonna go back into the co- to the top 25 here coming out for the AP. Well, it's already out now that you're seeing this, but I'm gonna do the rankings the way that you're used to doing the rankings, so you ain't gotta worry about that. But I am saying, if Notre Dame shows up to the shoe in week one and hands Ohio State an L, I'm not gonna blame y'all for wanting to pull your hair out once again. And feeling as if the world is up against you because you got beat by a Marcus Freeman, an Ohio State grad, an Ohio State alumnus, in really what is his first huge away game for me, like period. And I'm sure that that man is so tired of talking about this game. But you know what? That's what it means when you play Ohio State and you're the head coach of Notre Dame. I'm excited about that game. I think that game could be outstanding and a lot of fun. Those are the things I'm looking for from Ohio State to see if they can win their first national championship with Ryan Day. As head coach in the first one since 2014. Second question I have in the Big Ten this year: Is the state of Michigan for real? Okay, let me let me unpack what I mean here. Okay, last year the state of Michigan, that is Michigan and Michigan State, went 23 and four combined with a college football playoff appearance. That means that both of the schools in the state of Michigan who play Big Ten football have each made the college football playoff. In a, like that's that in and of itself. Is nothing to sneeze at, right? State of Florida can't say that. Uh, State of Texas can't say that. Uh, Man, Texas, still trying to get one of y'all into college football playoff, and I'm talking about Baylor, not A&M in Texas. You understand what I mean here, right? We keep going down the line. You had two New Year's Six appearances, Orange Bowl for Michigan, where they got ran by Georgia, but it is generational Georgia, and you understand what that means. And then Michigan State just going and getting it in, right, in their New Year's Six appearance. And then you got two NFL first-round picks, and nine total draft picks from last year, right? Aiden Hutchinson just stormed up the draft board to be that dude at Michigan on the strength of what they were able to do, notably beating Ohio State for the first time in 11 years, getting Jim Harbaugh's first win against Ohio State as head coach of Michigan, not something to sneeze at, which leads me to Michigan State also beat Michigan, something we didn't see coming. That was a proud day for the folks in East Lansing. For those of y'all that are uninitiated, Michigan, they they do the double Windsor, because I wear the double Windsor, so I know it when I see it, and they stitch it all the way up. Michigan State about, about this gutter. Okay? They about getting it how they live, okay? That is Magic Johnson space. That's what East Lansing is. So them getting a W against them dudes from Ann Arbor is not something to sneeze at. Michigan beat Ohio State, so you got Michigan beat, you got you got Michigan get beat by Michigan State. But Michigan beat Ohio State. You know, if we're doing the transitive math there, Michigan State's better football than Ohio State, except they played and Ohio State ran them. You understand what I mean here. You can you can talk yourself into it if you're from the state of Michigan. Then you had both of these teams beating Penn State, which I got to say says more about Penn State than it does the state of Michigan. And I wonder how many of y'all have been paying attention to Penn State over the last couple of years here because it ain't what you really thought it was going to be. There's one stat in particular that bothers me about, about Penn State. They have gone 16 consecutive games without a single 100-yard rusher. Now, if you know something about Lions football, you know they want to run the football. Like that's that's kind of what they pride themselves on doing. And yet, they don't have one dude the last couple years who is their bell cow back. I'm betting a bunch on a dude. I'm going to tell you a bit a little a little bit later on when it comes to putting that back together. But Penn State, game recognized game. And y'all been looking kind of unfamiliar, okay? I'm asking. I'm asking. Show me what's really good in Happy Valley. Y'all get that week one. You get the Thursday night game against Purdue. Let's see what you got. Show me what's really good. You know what I mean? You know? Shout out to James Franklin, who on the show last year and at Big Ten Media Days was saying, our offensive line's going to be good. We're going to run the football. He made it, uh, pointedly so it told me. I'm not saying that this year. I'm going gonna, gonna to let you say that, and it'll be gospel. And I'm like, you know that's not how that's going to work. But he understands changing up his defense coordinator, lost Brent Pride at Virginia Tech, brought in Manny Diaz, who was let go at Miami. My year since going into year two with Sean Clifford, and Sean Clifford was buoyant. Like, that dude was feeling kind of nice. Like He's like, no, 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 I, I have the same coordinator in the same system. I got Parker Washington over here. I got Mitchell Tinsley over here. I'm going to be throwing balls to my brother. It's going to be pretty fun at Happy Valley, and I remember what Sean Clifford was like in 2019, he gets back to that, we could be up to something, alright, so, is the state of Michigan for real, we'll find out for sure this year, I think Mel Tucker is that dude, I love the way that Mel Tucker develops, I love the way that Mel Tucker recruits, he's doing this thing with NIL, which is that I, I absolutely love, I absolutely love, he's not poo-pooing it, he's not saying, this is the world we live in, he's not saying, we gotta adjust or adapt, he's saying, no, I will help you create the business that is you. So we are putting in place all the things around East Lansing that need to be there for you to develop you on the business side while you get this education. I'm going, yes, treat it like a pro ball club. As much as y'all don't want to hear that, that's what college football is, man. We talk about billions of dollars here. And, and the kids getting a little bit, a little bit, and y'all catch your feelings over this. You got to stop. You got to stop because you're going to get left behind. I know if you're noticing, but Southern Methodist got out here talking about we're going to pay $36,000 a year to football and basketball players for being on the team. You know what that's called? It's called a salary. We just can't call it that because of NCAA rules and laws that make y'all feel kind of squeezy and squeamish inside. But it is the way that things are going. And if you want to be competitive, the bag is no longer a bag. It's a check that you deposit into a bank. I'm really excited about this era of college football, as you can very well tell. Okay, next question I have for the Big Ten. Is this the last stand for Scott Frost? Hmm, okay. If we were to use the term embattled for Scott Frost, I don't think we're speaking out of school here. We're not speaking out of school here because Scott Frost was 3-9 and nine last year. Never mind, it's probably the best 3-9 and nine team of all time. It's a dubious honor kind of like Crash Davis hitting the most home runs in minor league. It's not a record you really want to have. It's not something you want on your resume. It just kind of makes people look at you and ask well questions that you don't want to answer like how do you win how do you lose so many one possession ball games dog and yet go put 50 up on Northwestern make us understand here okay It's also he's 10 and 25 in the big 10 and nobody's felt more out of place. In a conference with realignment since nebraska decided to join the big 10 i think it works for the bottom line i even think it can work for recruiting but there was a time when nebraska's roster used to be filled with dudes from texas why would they fill for dudes from texas because their parents could see them play and go beat up on texas teams oklahoma teams you get what i'm saying here i remember i did this show at media days last year and i had this question where i said hey say something nice about your rival right, right. And the Nebraska players were going, who? Who are we supposed to be talking about here? Are we supposed to be talking about Iowa? Is it, is it Iowa? Is it Oklahoma? Because they were playing Oklahoma for the first time in years last year. They were confused. And I think that's a great example, story to tell, to kind of contextualize just how precarious the situation is at Nebraska. To say nothing of, they got a new athletic director who also has our man Scott Frost taking a reduction in pay, who also has a show cause and really needs to have just a bowl-eligible season this year. I don't think that's the moon for them, honestly. I think you win six games at Nebraska, people are going to be excited about it because they just don't like being mediocre and bad. And that's that's why it hurts me, right? And it hurts most of the folks that grew up with the Big 12 in the 90s and the early 2000s. I know Nebraska as a monster. I know Nebraska as, nah, man, you mean we got to play Nebraska again? Or the 90s Nebraska's where it wasn't even close. They were just stomping a mud hole in Oklahoma and walking them dry. I know Tommy Frazier. I met Tommy Frazier. I know what that 95 Nebraska team is. I also know that Eric Crouch was the non-throwingest quarterback that I ever could even think about winning a Heisman Trophy. That's who Nebraska is. I need them to get close to that. Can they get close to that? So to get close to I should say to get close to that. Scott Frost overturned basically half the offensive staff. He's given up the play-calling privileges to Mark Whipple, which I think is a bigger deal than a lot of people want to make it out to be because I know Scott Frost as a play-caller first. Remember, this is a man that really jumped into the national consciousness with what he was doing at Oregon, okay? And then he goes down to Central Florida where they've been booty and said, no, we're going to turn it to fruity. We're going to go get this championship. Beat Auburn in the Peace Bowl, went undefeated, and y'all still want to deny Central Florida its national championship. I'm not going to let you because I'm still here, and they legitimately won. The, they ran the table. They beat everybody they have to beat, and then we just didn't want to give them Bama. I think you give them Bama, they got the one loss, but they didn't get Bama because the sport just won't evolve. We need to expand the playoff. We need to get to 16 teams. We need to have automatic bids for conference championships so that conference championships absolutely matter, but that's another discussion that we will continue to have throughout the rest of the season. Then the personnel, I think, got a lot better. You add Casey Thompson out of Texas. You add chuba Purdy out of Florida State. It's a quarterback competition, and I say it's a quarterback competition uh, podcast listeners. I'm making gross air quotes because it ought to be Casey Thompson's job. Like it's his to lose. I think is the way to put this because this this is a man who's going into his last year of eligibility and he transferred up to Nebraska to sit no bench, like, that's just not what it is, now, I know y'all want to be this competitive nature of, like, the best man win, what I'm telling you is, if Casey plays to his ability, that's him, okay, I remember Casey playing down at Southmore, and then over at Newcastle, that dude can absolutely spin it, if he's given an opportunity to do so, and then behind him, he's adding the best UCO player in the country last year, Anthony Grant, whoever, something like 1,800 yards down in New Mexico, uh, Military Institute, outstanding tailback. I think they're going to have opportunities to be great. LSU wide receiver transfer Trey Palmer's there and Mickey Joseph comes back home after putting together what is legitimately one of the greatest wide receiving cr- groups of all time at LSU with Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall and of course our, our man. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I got a running joke about Jamar Chase. And the joke is Jamar Chase going up at media days before Oklahoma plays in the in the doggone Peach Bowl, and, you know, the question is, how are you going to deal with this press man coverage from a guy like Trey Brown? Trey Brown was playing corner at Oklahoma. He says, I want him to put his hands on me. I want him to put his hands on me because I'm going to put my hands back on him, and he's going to feel me. He's going to understand I'm not the man you get physical with. And I'm like, man, I right, cool, fine, whatever. Jamar Chase went to work on Oklahoma. It's cool because Jamar Chase is going to work on literally everybody. But Jamar Chase went to work on my squad, man. I'm looking at Mickey Joseph. Hey, 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 take it easy, take it easy. You bring some of that to Nebraska? You have these Husker wide receivers running around like Ohio State wide receivers? Like Oklahoma wide receivers a few years ago? Yeah, yeah, you might be in the mood to put up 50 on somebody. So I I wanted to go well for Nebraska is the real take here because I think Nebraska can be good. I think they have to be good. And I think we're going to get an opportunity to see that when they play Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland. I'm really fascinated with that game. And I hope for both of those programs, it acts as a jumping off point for what they are capable of in 2022. Okay, my fourth question that we got to get to. Will the Big Ten West, in parentheses, ever produce a college football playoff selection? Think about it from this standpoint. The Big Ten West is not unlike Phil Mickelson once was. The best player to never win a major championship. The best division to not produce a college football playoff selection like think about it you got wisconsin who's always going to be good if not very good like bad for wisconsin is nine wins right minnesota has reached them and said no no we can play with wisconsin look at what we did last year without our best tailback our best player right and mohammed ibrahim for most of the year you're working down your offensive line You're figuring out your your passing situation, which was abysmal. You still managed to win nine games. And then Iowa ends up being the class of that conference and rising to a top five program in the middle of the doggone season. And yet they still can't get a team into the college football playoff. Now, I put a bunch of this on divisions. I think divisions are stupid at this point. The game is get as many teams into the playoff as you possibly can. It works for the SEC, because the SEC has shown over and over again that it's produced the best football. One of the ways you can do that if you're the Big Ten is just by getting rid of all your conferences and making everybody play everybody. And giving us the matchups that we want to see, but also giving a road for Ohio State, and Michigan to play for a college football or sorry, college football, for a Big Ten championship, right? And maybe there are two teams that get into the college football playoff. And you got two in there. I really think that it's going to be difficult for Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, Purdue. Purdue's good, my goodness. Northwestern on the odd year. You get what I'm saying here. Like, I just, I don't think this is the year because Ohio State is that good. And I don't know of anybody that's not picking Ohio State that is looking at this sport from an objective standpoint. But I would like to see it. In my most Monique voice, I would like to see it. Now, if it ends up being Purdue because they want to sling the ball all around, that'd be great. If it's Minnesota in that inside zone they want to run or uh, that I think is pretty doggone good, play great defense. Hell, the only team that I don't think is capable of winning the Big Ten West as it stands right now might be Illinois. And I'm probably sleeping on them if you ask folks around the Illini program based entirely on Chase Brown being in the backfield. What I'm saying is it's interesting to think about because the Pac-12 North has produced a college football playoff entrant before the Big Ten West. And they did it in 2016 with Washington. Right. And then we go back, Oregon. Right. Like it's just the idea that Oregon and Washington make it to a college football playoff before Wisconsin, is not a fact that you would have got past me 12 years ago. I'd have been like, say, what, well, huh? Nah, man. I, just, I, don't, I don't see it. How has that even happened? And it. I think a lot of this has to do with just what the schedule is and just how difficult it is over there in the Big Ten East. But will the Pac-12, uh, or excuse me, Pac-12, will the Big Ten West produce one? Probably not, but again, I would like to see it. All right, number five on the list to finish out my top five storylines for the Big Ten Conference. Is this the year the Big Ten gets two teams in the college football playoff. Spoilers, no, it's not. It's not because Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State are all very good. And I'm going to take two of those teams at a minimum to beat the best two teams in the Big Ten West. So if if I'm handicapping it right now, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan. Yeah, Michigan, folks, fight me. Okay, fine. And then we're talking about Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. Like, I just... If you put those three against each other, I think the Big Ten East is going to win more of those games, but I also think that you're going to have to go get some wins against some Big Ten East teams that we just don't expect you to get. Somebody from the Big Ten West is going to not only have to run the Big Ten West, they're going to have to run roughshod over their Big Ten East opponents, right? Probably means you got to get a win against three, one of those three teams that I mentioned, Ohio State, Michigan, or Michigan State. I just don't see it happening this year. However, it could. I just don't see it. Like The SEC is... Got a stranglehold on the college football playoff, which is another reason why I want to see the doggone thing expand. And we have all these other discussions going on about where and when you're going to watch football games. But the big one is you make more room, you create more inventory, you got more opportunities to get in. Like, I'm, I'm not averse to a 16 teams. You got three, a group of five teams in. I'm here for it because y'all are going to hate it. And that's just going to give us a lot to talk about. But I would love to. I love digging through chaos. It's my favorite thing. I, I really do. I thrive. At times of chaos, when it feels uncertain, nah, man, that means I'm going to put the pedal down, and we're going to throw this mug into the corner, and I'm going to make it stick. That's having me running through a crash, because I'm usually not going to be in a fast enough car to just go outrun Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen. I Mm. I just need a little luck here every now and again. That's all I'm saying. That's my group of five teams. Just give me a little bit of luck, you know? Give me Fernando Alonso having an opportunity to hold somebody off on the back end right? Because you know he will make that car as wide as the doggone road. He'll make it as wide as two roads and nobody. its be some Gandalf stuff. You shall not pass. And it's not just because he's as old as Gandalf himself. Yeah, I said it. All right. So I want to move from my five top Big Ten storylines. Let me do that again. Top five Big Ten storylines into a couple of questions that we have, right? First one being teams who will overachieve. Who are the teams who will overachieve in the Big Ten Conference? I gave what I think are Three good examples here. One is Minnesota, and a lot of this comes from win totals, for which we got from Fox Sports, uh, Fox Bet, excuse me. But the reason I put Minnesota on this list is they're listed at seven and a half right now. That means they got to win eight for you to get your money. And I'm I'm here trying to get you your money. Like, we don't like to say it too loud, and I certainly don't like to say it too loud because then it's the only thing I get to talk about. But I'm pretty good at picking winners. Okay. I watch a lot of college football. I read a lot of college football. I stay up on injury news. I understand whose offensive line is good. I understand whose offensive line is trash. I'm also partial to winning. I think Minnesota winning eight games is on the table because you look at this non-conference schedule, my goodness, man, you got New Mexico State who just signs up to get their butts kicked. Like, honestly, they... It ain't even no money in the bag situation with Mexico State. They, they just gonna take your money. Like, hey, cool, we gonna get beat down and we gonna get our money. We gonna keep trying to build our football program. I understand that. Then you got Western Illinois, the catamounts. Now, I'm the type of dude that knows that the Western Illinois is the catamounts because I'm that college football dude. But you didn't know that. And you don't even know where in Illinois Western Illinois is. Matter of fact, you probably look at me like Uncle Elroy. And say, Wester, it's in the west of Illinois, you know, like how you spell Versace, you know, faux-Sachi, that's how you spell it, y'all need to go watch next Friday, I'm not gonna catch you up on that, I might get in trouble, anyway, and then you got, I think to finish this out, this non-conference slate, Colorado. I love Robert Barnes. I love Carl Durrell. I like talking to him. But unless you got a quarterback back there that I can trust to complete passes, that's going to be tough because Minnesota's going to come out here trying to take your head off, and then they're just going to run the football on you. Come to think of it, off the top of my head, Colorado got Texas, Christian, and Minnesota on the schedule. I just – I wouldn't have done that because if I beat them, I don't think many people care. If I lose to them, my base, my home fans are going to be the people coming after me. Like, that's – Put Alabama on it. You know, put Ohio State on it. Don't put Texas Christian on it. Like, if you lose Texas Christian, uh, that's just not a good look for anybody. That's just not, right? I just, ugh, I don't know that I would have done that for a non-conference. But I think they won all three of those games, and then all you got to do is win five uh, among your Big Ten schedule. That's doable for a place like Minnesota. And think about that for a second. P.J. Fleck is becoming from Minnesota what Mike Gundy is for Oklahoma State. Synonymous with winning and putting together some of the most memorable years and memorable run in program history. That is a nice place to be rowing the boat. Okay. To say nothing of, you you saw me. I was putting on, I was having a grown man on at media days. Only dude that's keeping up with me was P.J. Fleck. Respect, respect. Not everybody can pull off loafers without socks, but P- P.J. could do that. I'm just letting y'all know. I noticed. Know game recognized game. What I'm saying. All right. Next team I put on this list that I think will overachieve. Purdue! Shout out to my man Rago. Look, it's not just because Rago's my man; it's also because Purdue's really good. Like, like we've been doing this for like four years now, basically since the Boilermakers ran their train over the Bucknuts with Rondale Moore, absolutely toasted people. Yeah, Jeff Brom wants to throw the ball around; gotta throw the ball around. There's no three quarterback system this year. There's the Aiden O'Connell quarterback situation this year, and the system. I gotta say this, man. Like. If Aiden O'Connell puts together a season, and by season I mean he goes for 37, 4,000, 30, 40 touchdowns, that man needs to win the Burlesworth Award. Do you realize he walked on at Purdue? Do you realize he's like the ninth dude on the depth chart at Purdue? And now everybody's praying for that dude to return after what they did to Tennessee, and he gave you that? You know? I don't know that you're going to find another Rondell Moore or even another David Bell, both of which are outstanding wide receivers to All-Americans. However... Somebody over there could play. Maybe it's Brock Thompson. We'll find out. You add Tyrone Tracy from Iowa, really great tailback. It's going to share up a run game that wasn't great. And then just keep a lid on the defense. You keep a lid on the defense at Purdue, you going to win more than you lose. You can put together another one of these magical years. There's never been an 11-win season in Purdue history. I would like to see it. Going back to, would the Big Ten West get a college football playoff selector? Go go run it up, Purdue. Go run it up, Boilermakers. Make West Lafayette, Rose Ida. That kind kind of place that nobody wants to come to. You can do that. I believe in you. I believe on you. I know the folks down in South Bend don't believe in you. I know the folks in Bloomington don't believe in you, but I believe in you. I think you can get this done. I think you can get this had. All right. So their non-conference looks like this with got to get over eight wins. Indiana State. Yeah. Okay. Don't lose to the Sycamores. At Syracuse, which I think is sneaky good. That's a sneaky good good, uh, football game. Like they got Robert or Nye who's going to be calling plays. He's coming from Virginia. They were pretty doggone good last year, Virginia. And we know that Dino Babers runs that Baylor-style system, and they got one of the best and most slept-on backs in all of college football. I'm I, I, we, we get into that in another discussion when we talk ACC. I'm going to give you every bit of that cues and we're going to talk about slept-on players. They got a ton of slept-on players over there in the ACC because, well, we only haven't been paying attention to anybody outside of Clemson. That's not our fault. They just need to step up and go beat them some Clemson. All right. And then to finish out, you got Florida Atlantic. Fine. I think you end up at at worst, two and one with that schedule, with that non-conference schedule. Then you got to win off five, six wins in the Big Ten, and you play a mostly Big Ten West schedule. You can do that. That's on the table for you. Okay? Last program I want to mention here. Rutgers, I'm going to shout you out. Don't don't do me dirty now. Don't do me dirty because I shouted you out last year. I gave you run last year. I had Ben Verlander. Friend of the show, right, homie Ben. Ben understands. We we knuckle up. But I had I had the homie Ben, coming on the spaces with my man Jeff calling me out, talking about hey RJ, you really gonna tell me you think Rutgers can go beat Michigan? Is that what you gonna do? I'm like yeah, I think they can. What y'all do? What do y'all do? Y'all got this close. you got th- finish. In in that what everybody puts on a helmet. In that what your fourth quarter slogan is when you throw your fours up. Finish. That's all I'm saying. Rutgers, I want you to I want you to be great. I want want Piscataway. I want y'all to be great. I know that you wanted the first college football team. You've been playing this sport for the entirety of the sport. You helped create the sport. Why you gotta be one of the worst teams in the the Power Five, man? Now, Greg Sciano, his broad Gavin Winn sat in. Now, they have an accorded QB Derby and they got a new defense coordinator who came from Maine to Minnesota to coach in defense. Look, if you don't give Gavin Wimsatt some snaps, I'm, I'm gonna have to have some things to say about it because I watched that man drop dimes. He's one of the better quarterbacks to ever commit and play football at Rutgers. Give that man control of the offense, Sean Gleason. I use Sean Gleason's full name because I remember him for the year at Oklahoma State. Then he went back home, right? He came from Princeton. He wanted to get back home. I understand that. Get this man the keys. Let let me let me let me see what Gavin Wimsat do with it. Okay? Give him the ball and watch what he do with it. Now, the over-under situation for our brethren in Piscataway is four and a half. I'm picking five here. I'm picking five here, okay? I'm picking five here because I'm looking at your non-conference schedule. You got at Boston College, the Sheffy squad, Phil Jurkovic coming back. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. That's a tough game. I don't know that that's one I would put on your schedule, but I understand it being on your schedule, and I understand the regionality of it and how many – I did not realize how many children grow up in like Connecticut or thereabouts that want to go to BC. Some somebody gonna have to educate me about the Eagles, because outside of uh, of Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, and my man Flutie, I don't I don't have a whole hell of a lot to go on on that man. Y'all just gonna have to y'all gonna have to let your boy know what it is about wanting to go to college at BC. But you get that game right. And then you got Wagner. Don't lose to Wagner. Y'all 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 gonna win, but don't lose to Wagner. Don't don't do that. And then you're at Temple. That's tough. You have to win, but it's tough. You go 2-1 and one with that schedule. I'm asking you to get three wins. three, three, three wins. Th- three. Three. Over the course of four months. Three. In the Big Ten. That's it. You get to five. You get to five. And five is one away from six, which would actually make you bowl eligible as opposed to being the next team up when somebody else gets COVID. Because I understand they play in the bowl game, but, you know, there's that asterisk next to it. I just want y'all to get in there for real. You know, I don't... I don't want to be the only national dude talking about Rutgers football, Scarlet Knights. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. You have more respect for me than that. I know you do. Okay? The folks at Texas San Antonio got more respect for me than that. I'm just saying. Just saying. I'm gonna shout you out. I'm 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 laying it out here. I picked you. I picked you. Don't let your boy down. Okay? Let, let's let's go let's go get this. Five. That's all I'm asking for. Five wins. Alright. Teams who will underachieve in the big tens where we gotta go next. All right, now, as much as I just spent a lot of time talking about how, how good I need records to be, I am going to go ahead and tell you I don't expect the Big Ten Conference champions to repeat. I don't think that Michigan is going to be good enough with the schedule that they have right here, right now, to get to ten wins. We're talking about nine and a half. That's a lot. That, that's a lot. Okay, you got to get to 10. You got to get to 10 in the regular season, man. Like, I just, all right, let's start with their their non-conference schedule. Colorado State, you ought to win. Hawaii, you ought to win. UConn, you ought to win. No, that's three, right? But you got to get seven. You got to get seven of your next nine in Ann Arbor to get the over on this. One of those games against Ohio State, and they are out for blood. They, they, they want you. They, they're, they're no longer overlooking you. You embarrassed them last year. Like, that that's one. Michigan State feels like they got you. They got you last year. They returned a bunch from last year. Now, Kenneth Walker, we understand, but I like Jalen Berger. I like Jared Broussard. I think both of those dudes can tote the rock. Peyton Thorne coming into his own. He understands that it's him now, right? It's him and Jaden Reed. You get a little bit of play out of Scotty Hazleton's defense, that's tough too. You still got to play Penn State, who is also going to be coming after you. They want, they want your whole body. They don't want a piece. They want the whole thing, Bob Barker style. I'm saying I just don't see you getting to 10. 9-8, easy. I think that's easy money for you. 10, you got to get back to the Big Ten championship game. You're going to win 10 games. All right? That means you got to get past all those teams that I just mentioned. And then you got to do what you did to Iowa last year. And I don't think that's going to be that simple. All right. Next team that we we'll are talk about just a little bit on the teams, I think, are underachieved Penn State. Look, um, there's just a lot that Penn State is on the verge of, but not there with. Put it another way. I don't think of Ohio State as being on the verge of having a good passing attack. You know what I mean? I just know it. You know? Like a law. As immutable as gravity. Okay? I just I just know it. It's going to be all right. You're on the verge of a great run game. Guys like Nick Singleton we'll talk a little bit later on. You're on the verge of a great quarterback play because Sean Clifford discovers this form for three years ago. It'll be there, kind of like Minnesota and Tanner Morgan. You're on the verge of putting together... Back to back great years from defense, but you lost your defensive coordinator to a better job. Good for him, good for Coach Pry, He's gonna be coordinated Virginia Tech. But the verge, the verge doesn't, doesn't get you to nine wins. Okay? We're looking at eight and a half here. You're you got Ohio. Bob taps, you ought to you ought to win. All right, you ought to win. Give them their money. You're at Auburn. Okay. Can you double that one up? Cause I I would really love for you to double that one up. Because a lot of us got a lot of mileage out of oh. The Big Ten showed up to the SEC West and said, "What's really good?" Well, it was really good. But now you got to go down to Auburn in what is going to be a prove it year for our man Brian Harson. We get to the SEC preview; it's going to be something different, dog. Like we go, we have so many things to discuss over there. A lot of it having to do with Auburn. And then you got Central Michigan. Jim McElwain has this game circled. I I guarantee it. I guarantee it. He can't wait to bring his Chippewas over to see you in Happy Valley. All right. James Franklin got that long, large extension. Folks at Penn State going to want him to live up to his end. Okay, His end means not winning nine games. It means winning Big Ten championships. It means making the college football playoff. All right, You get to nine wins, you can have all that. I just, I just see it as difficult. It's hard. You play in the second most difficult division in all of college football. Great for me. Great for me as a a college football fan, college football analyst. I love watching great football. Not necessarily great for you because we're not going to talk about the third best team, fourth best team in the Big Ten East. It's not what it's going to be. All right. Okay. From the teams who will overachieve, underachieve, we go to the best bet to put money in the bag. All right. Again, one of our favorite segments all of last year, keeper segment for this year, win a team. Goes and put the money in the bag and robbed you of your W. We will talk about it right here on the number one ranked show. I have lots of fun getting into my Malcolm X and letting people know that you thought that you was paying for a W, but what you were paying for was a butt kicking. All right. So I looked through the non-conference schedule. I'm circling. Hmm, that's a good FCS team. That's a good G5 team. Ooh, that's not a great Power Five team. Ooh, that's a money in the bag candidate. That's how we get here. So I settled. In this instance, on two. Okay? We only have one for the Big 12. We got two for the Big 10. South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits at Iowa, getting paid $600,000 for the privilege if they are able to pull this off. Now, those of y'all that don't know, like the Jackrabbits were good last year, and they had one of the better tailbacks, Pierre <laughs> Strong, in all of college football. I said as much. Right here on the number one ranked show when we do the NFL draft stuff. Come on, man. You know all I do is eat, sleep, and do this sport? Of course, I'm watching FCS football, especially high-quality FCS football. I don't know that I want the Jackrabbits on my schedule coming to Kinnick, but Kinnick ain't no joke. Like, I've never been to Kinnick, but I've been to Iowa fans, and going to Iowa fans is an experience. Okay, When you understand ain't nothing there but corn and football, yeah, you put a lot into the Hawkeyes. You put a lot into the Hawkeyes, and you know what? They get a lot out of them Hawkeyes. Iowa fans on par with Mountaineer fans. You just don't want it with them. Like, one day we're going to have an among the thugs conversation right here on the number one ranked show. And we're going to talk about firms and we're going to talk about what that means in European football. And you're going to be like, oh, we got those. They're illegal in the United States. Or so you thought. Right? I'm saying, Iowa fans go hard. You don't want no problems with no Iowa fans. All right? I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm saying that I think if you're making money in the bag bets, Go ahead. Put the Jackrabbits over there to the side, put you a little $20 on them, see if they make you a little bit of money, along with their 600000 for the privilege. All right, next team I want to take a look at here is Southern Illinois. Traveling to Northwestern, they're going to get $550,000 for the privilege. Shout out to Hero Sports, where they have these payouts listed. And also, my man, uh, Steve Berkowitz, who does great work at USA Today, going to get these open records requests. But the Salukis, probably looking at Northwestern going, y'all don't even know what a quarterback is, do you? Okay, is your defense going to be any good? Because I saw Brandon Joseph, He over at Notre Dame now. Greg Newsom, he was drafted two years ago. Like, what y'all got something else? What else y'all got? Because we feel like we can go over there, we can roll up into your little, uh, your, 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 your uh, Ivy adjacent, and we can, we, can, we can snatch your lunch money. Because that's what you do to the dudes with the pocket protectors. You go up on them and you say, empty your pockets. Okay, now Northwestern, they're used to that. They're used to people walking up on them going, empty your pockets, and them going, nah, I'm going to catch this, you know, right, just right in the eye. And then they am at the Big Ten West Championship. We'll see. Or I should say the Big Ten Championship representing the Big Ten West. But South Dakota State at Iowa, Southern Illinois at Northwestern. I think that's going to be a lot of fun if either one of those teams is able to go and put the money in the bag. All right. Now. From there, I want to go to the players who will have a breakout year. There's actually quite a quite a few that I could have picked. I picked two Buckeyes. <laughs> I picked two Buckeyes out of three players. Sorry, they're talented. Don't take. It. Don't hate the player, hate the game. That's all I'm saying. Don't hate the player, hate the game. You seen how they're recruiting? They're recruiting like a SEC West team. They're recruiting not like they want to win the Big Ten West, but like, or say the Big Ten West, like they want to win the Big Ten championship. But like they want to beat Alabama in the national championship, there are levels to this. All right? Again, don't hate the player, hate the game. That said, I've been all in on Jack Sawyer from the moment that he was a Buckeye. That dude was bred to play defensive end at Ohio State. If you looked at him and thought that was the third Bosa brother, nobody would tell you you were wrong. Okay, Coming out of Pickerton North, this dude played both ways. Threw passes that were touchdowns as a quarterback was an outstanding edge rusher. forewent his last year of high school football so he could get to Ohio State earlier. Has been there for a full year now. He's going to be one of those guys that Larry Johnson Sr. is going to be throwing in the heavy rotation. Watch out for number 33. Marvin Harrison Jr. on the other side playing wide receiver. Now, Buckeye fans are like, oh yeah, RJ, he's going to pick Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes, because you follow Ohio State football and I'm doing a national college football show. Not everybody's familiar with who Marvin Harrison Jr. is as a player. They might have saw a little bit of it in the Rose Bowl because he actually caught, I believe it's three touchdown passes in that game where Jackson Smith and Jigba went for 347 and change. It's also about how these dudes have been working in the offseason and Marvin Harrison just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And bigger. He is bigger than his old man is, or was, as a pro catching pass from Peyton Manning. And he was bigger when he got to Ohio State than that. And all he has done is grown into looking like the second coming of David Boston out there. You're going to have Jackson Smith or Jigger over here. You're going to have Marvin Harrison Jr. over here. Emeka Egbuca, Julian Fleming are still there, guys. It's a problem over there, right? For Marvin Harrison Jr., it's about is he going to get that many targets because I expect... Every three, or four passes might be a house call for the Buckeyes this year. It's just it's lethal over there. I don't want no problems with that. That who wants problems with that? And then the last player I want to focus here is a true freshman, National Gatorade Player of the Year, running back at Penn State, Nick Singleton. Now Nick Singleton is out there going after Saquon Barkley's lifting records. Start that. Start there. Start start with he's already in the conversation with the Quad Father, with Quadzilla. He's that type of athlete. He's that type of tailback. Now, they got three tailbacks that they really like at Penn State, but I like Nick Singleton the most, okay? You heard me waxing poetic about Travion Henderson for two years. He got to true freshman year, but it's like, hey, he's going to be behind Master T. He, there's We got other dudes that came in with him like Evan Pryor. I said, uh-huh, I'll wait. And what you, would you see? You saw what I saw, all right? That's who Nick Singleton can be. If the offensive line is even close to decent, I expect that man to be this year what Braylon Allen was last year, what Travion Henderson was last year. He's got that kind of juice to him. So those are my three players who I think will have breakout seasons. Two are sophomores. One is a true freshman. Okay, next question we have on the show. How many teams can compete for the college football playoff in the Big Ten Conference? I think we're going to top it out at six here, guys. Now, that's not too shabby, considering it's a 14-team league. Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Penn State. So I got four teams in the Big Ten East, and I think I got two teams in the Big Ten West. Purdue was almost there for me, but not quite. Right? I just want to see the defense, you know, resemble a defense in 2022 before I start talking about them being in the college football playoff. Look, man, if you're gonna be giving up 450 a game out here like Texas, I can't be talking about you like that. All right? Like I just, I need to see some some real change there. And I've seen some with Texas. I haven't seen a whole bunch with Purdue is basically they're going to try to fix their scheme, which might be it, might be it, might be that simple. But until then, we're going to keep them on the fringes. I think Ohio State is fairly obvious, right? Offensively, you're going to be elite. Can the defense be average to above average? You're playing for a conference championship, national championship. Michigan, can you be what you were last year? Now, I know we have a QB battle going on at Michigan, but I think that's K. McNamara's job. Why do I say that's K. McNamara's job? Because he had it all of last year, and Jim Harbaugh said to me, I see K. McNamara, and it's like looking at a younger Jimmy Harbaugh, I haven't, I don't, I don't know too many head coaches that pick against seeing a younger version of themselves play football, that's just me there, dog, just, that, that's, that one's free, okay, okay, now you're gonna lose Aiden Hutchinson, David DeJabo on, on your defense, you lose Dax Hill, who is, quite literally the purest football player I've ever seen in with my own two eyes coming from my home in Tulsa. You got a lot that you got to change up over there. But you got Blake Corham coming back in the backfield. Donovan Edwards coming back in the backfield. Play great defense, run the football, you will be all right. A lot of this is gonna be on Sharon Moore, Matt Weiss calling the offense. And then you're gonna have to try to get back what you had with Mike McDonald. Right? You just we'll see. We'll see. Okay. After that, Michigan State, Peyton Thorne continue to make those leaps. You're great on play-action pass, but that means you've got to be able to run the football. I think with Jarek Broussard transferring from Colorado and Jalen Berger transferring in Wisconsin, you're going to have some of that. Just keep the lid on the defense. You're going to be all right. Wisconsin, it's the Braylon Allen show. you If you get a conscious Graham Mertz, then we can start talking about this because that's still Jim Leonard calling the defense. All right? like it's, Defense going to be all right. If Bobby Ingram can get through to Graham Mertz and have that dude playing like the Russell Wilson that we thought he was going to be— Wisconsin can be a problem and make the college football playoff. I mentioned Penn State. Get Sean Clifford back on good pace. You get Nick Singleton running the ball. You find some of the form you have with Brent Pry running the defense. You're going to be all right. Solid running backs, running start, uh, returning starting quarterbacks, good defense. That's how I made this list of teams that can make the college football playoff from the Big Ten. Okay, last question that we have here for the Big Ten preview. Who will play and win the B1G championship? I picked Ohio State because yes, I'm I'm already been booed. You're listening through the podcast, you still love me. I appreciate that. But I picked Minnesota in the Big Ten West. Okay, there's a few reasons why. Tanner Morgan's coming back for what seems like a 15th year of eligibility. Wants to be back. He's also becoming more and more look like P.J. Fleck. Like for instance, I get so much out of going on these media day tours. I get so many anecdotes, but more than that, I get to see people that I just haven't seen for like a year. So I meet Tanner Morgan. And I say, how are you doing today? And he says, I'm doing elite. Cool. I meet P.J. Fleck later in the day. I say, how are you doing? He says, I'm doing elite. I said, Tanner said the same thing, and y'all are starting to look similarly. P.J. Fleck has been nothing but good at Minnesota. I think Tanner Morgan getting back with the offensive coordinator and Kurt Soraka is going to be a good thing for Minnesota. They also got Mo Ibrahim back there who was taking apart Ohio State's defense before anybody knew that it was Ohio State's defense in 2021. I think they're going to be all right. I think they're going to be pretty good. You get guys like Chris Aud Bell to come out here and play in like that kind of dude, like Dalen Wright to start playing like that kind of dude, and you get a 3,000, 3,500-yard 3, pass to see that on Tanner Morgan, it's easy to see how you're in the Big Ten Championship. You beat an Iowa that was a takeaway defense, but that's really difficult to repeat. Like tackling people, they still got those, but those interceptions, that's found money. You can't just bet on that. That's, that's a really unpredictable statistic. And then you're talking about Wisconsin. This is me saying I don't know that Graham Mertz is going to be a better quarterback than Tanner Morgan in 2022. I don't think that's a wild take. In fact, I think that's a pretty lukewarm take based entirely on what we've seen from Graham Mertz and what we've seen from Tanner Morgan. When Tanner Morgan is on, he's on. I have yet to see Graham Mertz on. Honestly, I've seen Wisconsin be on when Graham Mertz is quarterback. I have not seen Graham Mertz be the dude that is powering a Wisconsin offense. And to be fair, that's not really a job as a quarterback at Wisconsin, which is why I always thought that pairing was kind of interesting. It's the job of the offensive line and the tailback. So we'll see, right? But they're doing a lot to try to make Braylon a lot more comfortable back there. And I think they're going to be decent. Just not, I'm just not going to pick them for the Big Ten West Championship right now. I'm just going to pick Minnesota. So I got Ohio State and Minnesota playing in the B1G Championship. And I believe the winner of that game does get selected to the college football playoffs. So the Big Ten, congratulations. You're going to get in again. Just be good. That's all. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the number one ranked show. As always, I want to thank our coordinating producer, Catherine Donnelly, who's been putting this all together, and we're going into year two. We're going into year two really strong. Our lead producer, Tyler Wojak, who has to deal with me on a day-to-day basis, and I love him so much for that. Our director, John Marcus, who has me looking fly and fresh and sounding good, also puts up with my horrendous F1 and Top Gun takes. Our social media mavian is Javion Duncan. Our lead of screening is Rachel Cohn. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all in a couple of days. Deuces.